invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to the book of Acts. If you'll find your way back to Acts chapter 13. We're going to press on through Acts chapter 13 and our focus this morning is going to be on verses 42 through 52. Acts 13 verses 42 through 52. I want to talk to you about do you have a hungering heart or do you have a hardened heart? Do you have a hungering heart or do you have a hardened heart? Let's pray to the Lord together before we go any further. Father, we're grateful for this Lord's day. Father, we're grateful for your word. God, we're thankful for the opportunity to gather, the opportunity to sing, the opportunity to give, the opportunity to talk about missions, the opportunity to read your word. And then the opportunity now, Lord, to hear your word preached, to study it. So, God, we pray for your spirit's help. Father, we pray that you help us to understand what it is you would have us to know. And then, Father, we pray that your spirit would help us to understand what we are to do with what you teach us in your word this morning. So, Father, God, we pray. That if there are any hardened hearts that are present this morning or any hardened hearts that are listening this morning, that in your amazing grace, that your goodness and your kindness and your mercy, your love, your compassion will just begin to chip away and, and really just melt away that hardened heart. God, we pray for a new heart for those that don't know you. So soften, change, regenerate, transform, make new, we humbly ask. And then also, God, for those of us that are in the faith, we recognize the warning that the writer of Hebrews gave to not let our hearts be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So God, maybe our hearts this morning are not hardened because... We don't know you, but maybe our hearts are hardened, God, because we're just not where we ought to be with you. So, God, I pray that if that's the case this morning for any believer that's here or any believer that's listening, that you'll just begin to melt away that hardness. And that your spirit, Lord, will do the work that only he can do, which is to to make us more like Christ. So, God, as we read this text... We pray for understanding. Help us, Lord, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. So as we return back to Acts chapter 13 this morning, we find ourselves still going through, walking through Paul's first missionary journey. We've seen him arrive in Antioch, Pisidia, which was located in Asia Minor. Uh, We have seen him go to the Uh, synagogue where he was able to hear the word read 
And then not only that, but in God's providence, he was given the opportunity to speak, the opportunity to explain as he was invited to, to teach. And so he does, and we looked at that in detail last week, that he walks them through redemptive history, hitting all the highlights and, and really trying to, to connect the dots for them that all the messianic anticipation that the Jews had been looking forward to for centuries and millennia even had come to fruition and fulfillment in Jesus Christ. That God's plan had all come together, so to speak, and that the Messiah had come and that the Messiah was, was Christ. And then we saw him call them to action there at the back half of this sermon that he gave, saying that there was forgiveness of sin in Christ. And yet also giving a warning for those that may be hearing that they don't just hear or reject. In fact, the text says that they don't scoff at his word. So I want to pick up there this morning and I want us to be really keying in on and thinking in on by looking at the response of the people there in 42 through 52. What kind of heart do you have this morning? As you sit here this morning on this amazingly beautiful morning, by the way, I want you to think, do I have a heart that's hungry for the things of God or do I have a heart that's hardened to the things of God? Look with me at verse 42 and we'll read our passage together. As they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Barnabas, excuse me, and Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region, but the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were, first, were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So look with me at verse 42. So I want you to think about what we just read. I don't know if you noticed it or if you caught it, but really in verse 
42 through 52. One of the main themes in those 10 verses. All right, so we'll take a break. You ready? We'll tell you a little anecdote from history. Spurgeon, if he was preaching, he would call those flies of Beelzebub. He said that uh, in his book, Preaching and Preachers, I think, no, that's Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, Lecture to My Students, sorry. That when preachers are preaching, it's not uncommon for Satan to bring in some sort of fly or bug or something to distract the people from listening to the word of God. I'm not picking on anybody, but you know what every one of y'all did when those crows went up there? Every one of y'all went. <laughs> That's funny. I know somebody's packing. Y'all can just shoot that thing out in the tree. <laughs> Sorry, that was live on Facebook. I shouldn't have said that. I'll get him. I'll get an email or something about that. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I digress. Anyway, when you look at verses 42 through 52, one of the things that you notice is one of the central themes in this response by the people is this theme of the word of God. Paul has preached the Bible to them. He has quoted from the Bible to them. He has helped them to see that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament scripture, which was the Bible at that time. And when you look at verses 42 through 52, it's one of the main themes that you see. Let, let me show it to you in verse 42. Notice what it says. As they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. So as good Bible students, we have to ask ourselves, what are these things? Well, these things are the things that Paul has told them. So they, he's, they have heard him teach the Bible. They've heard them talk about Christ. And so basically they're saying, listen, we want to hear this again. So we're talking about God's word. Now go to verse 44. The next Sabbath, the whole city gathered to hear what? The word of the Lord. Go to verse 46. Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly saying it was necessary that the what? The word of the Lord. Look at, or the word of God. Look at verse <coughs> Excuse me, look at verse 48. The Gentiles rejoice and they glorify over what? The word of the Lord. One of the main themes of this passage is the word of the Lord. And I want you to understand something with me this morning very carefully. Every time God's word is read, every time God's word is sung, every time God's word is preached, it elicits a response from the hearers. There is no neutrality when someone hears the word of God. There is none. Now, there may be varying degrees of acceptance or there may be varying degrees of rejection. But very clearly, there is no neutrality. The gospel, the word of God, always elicits a response from its hearers. And so what we're going to look at in just a second is this reality that Every time God's word is preached, every time it's read, every time it's sung, whatever it looks like, every time it's shared, it elicits a response. And really, brothers and sisters, there's only two responses, a hungering heart or a hardened heart. And that's what I want you to see this morning. So let's start first with the hungering heart. So 
Let me show you a couple of things. Go back to verse 42. Notice verse 42 again. Look at it with fresh eyes. So Paul preaches. He's exiting the synagogue. The beginning of verse 42. They went out. Now notice what the people do. What do the people do? Depending on your version, it it may say something different, but the ESV says that they begged that these things would be told them again. Listen, there was a hunger for those that were hearing the word of God preached in the synagogue that day that they wanted to hear more. Pastor Eric, that's every preacher's dream. That they would say, Brother Eric, preach the Bible to me again next week. Preach the Bible to me again next week. Brother Jim, preach the Bible to me again next week. Brother Doug, preach the Bible again to me next week. You know it's true though, don't you? When your heart's right with God and you're hungering after the things of God, what do you love to hear? Preaching. It's the weirdest thing, is it not? To hear a man that's been saved by grace stand up and do his best under the power of the Spirit to preach the Bible to you. Paul says it's the foolishness of preaching. It humanly doesn't make any sense, but there's just something about it that our soul needs. It craves it. It hungers for it. That's the way these people were. That word beg means to plead earnestly. To plead earnestly. Pretty awesome. Let's keep going. Go to verse 43. Another characteristic of a hungering heart is not only do they want to hear the word, but but notice verse 43. And and after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas. That word followed there is an interesting word. It's used in the New Testament to speak of those who follow Jesus. So it's the same word choice the Spirit inspired Luke to write that the gospel writers used as well. Of course, Luke wrote a gospel. We know that. But my point is that with the same desire to follow Christ that we see in the gospels, these converts and these proselytes had the same desire to follow Paul and Barnabas. It's interesting. In other words, they wanted to hear more. And when you look at this word, you do just a little bit more study in it. It's interesting in that it's not just so that the person would know more information, but it's so that they would know about salvation. Isn't that awesome? Pastor Eric, this is the text that you get when you when you get the text. It says, brother, Christ is dealing with my heart. Will you meet with me and talk with me about Christ? It's kind of like that if we brought it to today. It's kind of like that. Chima, will you tell me about Jesus? Jason, will you tell me about Christ? Billy, will you tell me about Christ? That's kind of like what's going on here. So you've got Jews and you've got proselytes that are hearing about Christ being the Messiah. And they're saying, I want to know more. And they're wanting to follow them so that they can find out more about that. Now look at what Paul does. This is so awesome. Well, if you want to tell the difference between a false teacher and a genuine teacher, look at what Paul does. So he speaks with them and look look at verse 43 at the end. What does he tell them to do? Continue where? Who does he point them to? He points them to Jesus. 
look, it's not me that can give you salvation. It's not me that you need to follow. It's not me. It's Christ. And so he's saying, listen, as you are being drawn and as your eyes are being opened and as you are hungering for more to hear of God's word, I'm just an instrument. I'm just a tool. I'm just a messenger. I'm just a man. Keep following Jesus. It's pretty awesome. There's a spiritual hunger that's there. Now look at verse 44. Now we're going to see there's a mixed crowd that gathers, but of that mixed crowd, the reality is there's many that's going to come to faith in Christ. So we're going to concentrate there. Look at 44. The next Sabbath comes. And look what the text says. Almost the whole city gathered to hear what? The word of God. Have you ever read about any of those old revivals? Have you ever read about the first awakening? Have you ever read about how God, how God used George Whitfield to take the gospel to the colonies? Have you ever read about that? If you haven't, you should. Because there's these amazing stories about these farmers knowing that George Whitfield was coming to their area. And so they were riding their horses or riding their buggies. And in some case, they were running to get to where he was so that they could hear the word of God preached. Have you ever read about the Reformation? Have you ever read about any of those days? Did you know that it was common for those brothers and for those sisters to gather at four or five in the morning to hear the word of God preached before they went to work? They were hungry. They were wanting to hear the word. That's what's happening in verse 44. Now look at verse 48. More hungry, more, excuse me, more hunger spiritually. When the Gentiles hear what Paul and Barnabas are saying, they begin to what? They begin to what? They begin to rejoice. They're finding joy. Listen, we celebrate and we appreciate and we find joy in what we love. And they are loving the word of God at this point, and they are rejoicing in it. Not only that, but they're glorifying the word. It's pretty awesome. Talk about spiritual hunger. Talk about a heart that's soft. Talk about a heart like the psalmist in Psalm 42. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after the things of you. It's pretty awesome. They're glorifying the word of God. Look at verse 49. What happens? The word of the Lord spreads. How does it spread? There was no social media. There was no texting. Well, one person opened their mouth and told somebody else. We talk about what we love. And so when you've been affected by the word of God and you're hungering for the word of God, you know what you talk about? You talk about the things of God and you share about what you're learning. And so these Gentiles would have said, hey, listen, we found some really, really good news. You can be made right with a holy God. Jesus, the Messiah, came. He lived. He died. He rose again. Come hear more about him. Spiritually hungry people not only are hungry for the word, but they're hungry to share the word. Pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. Look at verse 52. Don't read over too quick. 
the way that Luke describes them now in verse 52, these that have come to faith in Christ, they are now what? Yeah, they're called disciples. Learners and followers. And this, we have seen this from Acts 1 all the way now to Acts 13. This is just a characteristic of a genuine believer filled with joy and filled with the Spirit. Those are the characteristics that Luke lays out for us in this text of a right response to the word, a hungering for the word, wanting to hear it read, wanting to hear it preached, wanting to read it yourself, wanting to talk about it, wanting to share it with someone else that may not know, rejoicing in it, finding joy in it. Why? We don't worship the word per se. We worship the God who gave us the word because the word reveals who to us. Christ. So I ask you this morning, are you hungry for the word? Are you hungry for the word? There's only two responses. Now let's look at the opposite response, which was a hard heart. Which, by the way, let me just share this with you before we walk through this part of the passage. These two responses are as old as the Garden of Eden. There is nothing new under the sun. And when you read the Bible, one of the things that you will find over and over and over again, soft hearts always look like they love the word. Hard hearts always look like they hate the word. Don't want anything to do with it. Don't want to read it. It's interesting. And we see the same pattern in Acts 13, and we see the same pattern in our day as well. So, look at verse 45. Paul preaches. There are some that are responding. Now I want you to notice verse 45. After this large crowd gathers, look what happens. Now the Jews saw the crowds. They did three things in this verse. Notice the first thing that happens to them. Well, Paul describes them not as filled with the Spirit, but as filled with what? Jealousy. Or some of your translations may say envy. The original language uses the word envy. That's where we get our word envy from. And this is used in a bad sense. They are envious of what's happening. And I would say that it's they're envious in two ways. Calvin hits on this in his commentary where he says that one thing that's driving their envy is selfish ambition. The Jews are just flat out jealous that the Gentiles are going to Paul and Barnabas and not going to them. Is that new? Did we not see that in Christ's ministry as well? Absolutely, we did. Same thing. Same thing. It's like the instructions on the back of your shampoo bottle. Rinse, repeat. It's the same thing. We've already seen it once and we see it again. That's why I was telling you, this is a pattern for those who have hard hearts. And so the, the, uh, the Jews here are upset because really they want all the people to come to them and not go to Christ. So they're filled with jealousy. Look back at the text, verse 45. Next, what happens, this jealousy motivates. Well, let me go back. I forgot. I'm sorry. Not only is it selfish ambition, but the other thing was they didn't want the Gentiles to come to faith. 
they, they were okay with proselytes and then going through the Jewish system, but for a Gentile that didn't come through their method or their way, they didn't like that. They didn't like that. Now look what happens. This jealousy spurs them on to do what? Now it moves to action. So it starts in their heart because their heart is hard and whatever's on the inside comes out on the outside. And look what happens. They begin to contradict what was spoken by Paul. And that just simply means that as he was preaching and as he was teaching and as he was explaining the scriptures and as he was explaining who the Messiah really was, they began to refute him. That's what they were doing. Oh, well, no, 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 that's not right. Oh, no, 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 that's not right. Don't believe him here. Don't believe him there. That's what they were, that's what they were doing. So it would be as if I'm teaching the passage of Scripture right now, and one of you stood up and said, Oh, no, 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 that's not right. That's what, they were, that's what they were doing. They were contradicting. And not only that, but look at the Scriptures again. They were reviling him. This is where we get our word blasphemy from. Not only were they maligning Paul's character, but more importantly, they were blaspheming God. That's what they were doing. They were rejecting the offer of the gospel and basically making God out to be a liar. Pretty serious, hard hearts. Look at verse, look at verse 46. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly. And they said it was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first. But look at what happens. This is what a hard heart does. Since you thrust it aside, you thrust it aside. You ever been working on something and you ask for a tool and somebody gives you the tool and it's the wrong tool? And you're in a hurry and you just kind of throw it down? I can't use that right now. That's not what I need. I'm just going to throw it down. Thrust it aside. It's kind of like that in, in a sense in that the word of God was coming to them. The word of God was being explained to them. The word of God was before them. By, by golly, they had already read the word themselves. And when the Messiah is explained to them, they say, I don't need that right now. I don't believe that right now. That's not the truth. And they just thrust it aside. It's a complete rejection of the Messiah and God's word. Ultimately, look back at verse 46. Not only did they thrust it aside, but they were their own judges. Look at what happens. You judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. I'm going to talk about this more in just a second. But just for now, I just want you to understand very briefly that when you have a hard heart and you reject the word of God, you are your own judge. You are your own witness against yourself. That's what you are. It's powerful. Keep going. Look at verse 50. So all this is coming out of their heart. Remember what I told you. All of it's welling up out of their heart. So they contradict. They blaspheme. They're their own judge. They throw God's word basically aside. And look at verse 50. Just ramping up. They incite people in the city. It means they get them all excited like a riot. So they incite these women and they incite these men. And then they stir up what? Persecution, And what do they do? They drive Paul and Barnabas out of town. It's a complete rejection of God's word. Think about God's grace that has happened to them. 
They've been given a copy of God's word that they have read over and over and over again. They've heard it explained over and over and over again. And then God sends Paul and Barnabas to them to explain specifically who the Messiah was. And they hear the truth of God and they hear the truth of God's word. But instead of responding with a soft heart, they respond with a hard heart that looks like jealousy, contradiction, blaspheming, ultimately being their own judge, rejecting God's word, and persecuting Paul and Barnabas. It's a progression, brothers and sisters. It's a progression of hardness. Think about your hands for a minute. Think about your feet for a minute. Think about calluses for a minute. How does your skin get hard on your hands? How does your skin get hard maybe even on your knees? How does your skin get hard on the bottoms of your feet? They may start soft, but over time, by using them or walking on them or bending down and getting on your knees to work or whatever you're doing, there's a gradual hardness that takes place. In fact, some people's feet become so hard they don't even have to wear shoes. They can step on just about anything that doesn't hurt them. There's a progression of hardness that can happen even to our physical bodies. There's a progression of hardness, think about it, that can happen to your veins. That can happen to your arteries. The buildup of plaque on the inside of your body over time hardens your arteries and can lead to a heart attack or a stroke. Not only can it happen to our physical bodies, but brothers and sisters, it can happen to us spiritually. This is why Paul would say in verse 41, don't scoff at God's word, respond, there's forgiveness in Christ. There's only two responses. Either one of a soft heart or one of a hard heart. So the big question this morning is where are you at? Are you the person with the hard heart or you the person with the soft heart. How do you respond to God's word? How do you hunger for God's word? Or are you hard towards God's word? And let me give you one final warning as we wrap up. This is powerful. Look at verse 51. He's already warned them about scoffing at God's word. Did they listen? No, they rejected. In verse 51, it's this, it's this verse that you're like, well, what do I do with this? This is kind of odd. Like, I don't get it. Shaking dust off your feet? Like, what? Are their boots dirty or like what? They can't go in the house to clean their feet, Mr. Bill? Like, what's going on here? Notice the text. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and they went to Iconium. In order to interpret this rightly, we have to look at another passage of Scripture. Scripture interprets Scripture. There's a harmony that's there. So I want you to turn with me to the book of Matthew. Go to chapter 10. I want to humbly say... If you hadn't been paying attention, now it's time to pay attention. 
This is serious. It's not a game. So thinking about what we just read in verse 51, they share the gospel, they preach the gospel. These Jews are not responding to the gospel. When Paul and Barnabas shake the dust off their feet, what is that about? Look at verse 14, Matthew 10, 14. Christ is telling these that he sent out, these uh, in verses 5 and following. This is what he's telling them. Let's look at 13. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. Verse 14, now focus. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, what? Shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Okay, let's hang there for just a minute. So we go to 51 and Acts 13. What are they doing? They're doing what Jesus said to do when they're rejected. When the word of God is rejected, when the word of God is not accepted, Paul and Barnabas in Acts 13, 51 are simply doing what Jesus said. Now let's look at what else Christ said. This ought to make the hair on the back of your neck stand up, so to speak, if you're not in the faith. This ought to get your attention, by the way, if you're a believer and you're drifting. Look at 15. Christ says, truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Whoa. What were Paul and Barnabas doing? You can go back to Acts 13. They were giving a physical, visible sign that Jesus told to give when a town rejects the gospel. And Pastor Eric, if that's not bad enough, look back at verse 51. This is scary. Just look at Europe right now. Just look at England right now. Just look at our country right now. They shook the dust off their feet as a sign of judgment. And where? what did they do next? They went to Iconium. They left. They left. Now, there were genuine believers there, we know, but think about this. The very men that God had sent to preach the gospel and take the good news to them, they rejected, so instead, they gave a sign of judgment, and then in another sign of judgment, Paul and Barnabas leaves. Do you know what this means? The Bible says that today is the day of salvation, and if you don't know Christ, you're not guaranteed the next five minutes. You're not guaranteed the next 30 seconds. You're saying, Doug, you're trying to scare me into heaven. No, I'm not. I promise. I'm trying to give you truth. The devil will tell you over and over and over and over again, accept Christ tomorrow. You can accept Christ later. You can accept Christ when you're older. You can accept Christ when you're retired. Just live your life. Do your thing first and then come to Christ. But you know what the reality is? Tomorrow may never come. For a lot of these people, the gospel was right in front of their eyes. Think about what I said. They heard it read. They heard it preached. It was explained to them that Jesus is the Messiah. They were warned to not turn away. They did turn away. They drove Paul and Barnabas out of town. They scoffed at God's word. They persecuted God's messengers. 
They were squarely under the judgment of God. Scary stuff. Now, go to Romans. Romans 2. Romans 2. Look at verse 1. Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on another you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things, but do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things, and yet do them yourselves that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? If you're here today and you don't know Christ, or if you're listening today and you don't know Christ, it's God's kindness that he's brought you here. It's God's kindness that you're listening. Don't turn away from his kindness. It's meant to lead you to repentance. Today is the day of salvation. Turn and trust Christ. Place your faith and trust on him. Keep going. Not knowing God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. Verse 5, because of your, listen, but because of your what? Your heart and impenitent heart, you're storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Is that not just what we saw in Acts 13? That these people in Antioch, Pisidia are, are given the word of God. They're, the word of God is preached to them and they, they turn away from it. They're storing up wrath. Why? Because of their hard and impenitent hearts. Brothers and sisters, don't let that be you. Children, don't let that be you. Teenagers, don't let that be you. I'm begging you with every fiber of my being, trusting the Spirit to do what only He can do. I'm begging with you and I'm pleading with you. Turn to Christ and live. The Bible just told you what's in store for you. Flee the wrath to come and find salvation in Christ. Look at verse 6. There's a payday someday. He will, he will render to each one according to his works, to those who by patience and well-being seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. Praise God. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness. Oh, listen, there will be wrath and fury. Verse 9. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil. Oh, look at the order. Do you remember what I told you two weeks ago? The gospel was to go to who first? The Jew. And then it was to go to who first? The Gentile. That's God's missionary plan. That's his strategy. Straight out of the covenant. Straight out of the Old Testament. Hmm. So is judgment. So is judgment. For every, being, for every human being who does evil, the Jew first, and also for the who? For the Greek. That works both ways, brothers and sisters. The gospel goes first to the Jew. Judgment comes first to the Jew. The gospel comes second to the Gentile. Judgment comes second to the Gentile. But don't miss it. Either way, judgment's coming. It's coming. Verse 10. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first, 
and also for the Greek. So I just talked about, look at verse 11. For God shows no what? You will not stand before God and wax eloquently of all the times you fed the orphans across the world and think that's going to make you right with the Holy God. You're not going to look at your bank statement or this, this financial statement that Miss Amy gives that you file for your taxes if you do that. And say, well, I gave X amount of dollars to Everglades Baptist Church and that's going to get you into heaven. Neither will preach you through the book of Acts. Neither will preaching through the book of Mark. Neither will preaching the book of Romans. Salvation is only in one thing. That's Jesus Christ. Go back to Acts 13. What do we need, brothers and sisters, to be spiritually hungry? We need the grace of God. If you're here today, and your heart's on fire with Christ and the word's alive to you and you're reading the word and you're hungry for the word and you enjoy being with God's people, that's God's gift of grace to you. Acts 13. Go back to verse 48. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing, glorifying the word of the Lord. Now listen. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. It's God's grace. If you're spiritually hungry, if you're thirsting after Christ, if you're in the faith, the fact that God hasn't given you what you deserved, if you're not in the faith yet, He hasn't struck you dead. Or if you are in the faith, do you realize he should strike us dead at every moment of every day? That's how holy and righteous God is. And the only reason why he doesn't do that is because of Christ's righteousness that's been imputed to us. We're covered by the blood. We need the grace of God, brothers and sisters. If you don't know Christ this morning, can I encourage you to do something? Cry, beg, plead. God, let your grace fall on me. It already has because you're alive. It already has because you have been provided certain things. It already has because you're here today. You've probably heard the gospel many times in your whole life. Beg and plead, God. Make it effective in me. Today, now, please, where I sit, Lord, change my heart. If you're in the faith, I want to encourage you to really evaluate where you're at. How hungry are you for the things of God? Or do the things of the world have your attention more than the things of God? That's a struggle for all of us, amen? We've got to keep ourselves in check. That's why we need each other. Help each other. Pursuing Christ together. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. It is alive and it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it penetrates the joints and the marrow. And it goes straight to the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. Lord, we can hide from humans. We can hide from our parents. We can hide from our coworkers. We can hide from our church family, but at the end of the day, there's one person we can never hide from, and that's you. You know all things. Lord, you know the spiritual condition of every heart that's here this morning. 
God, I pray for your grace to fall upon us this morning in a special way. And that you'll do that. I humbly ask, but yet I boldly ask because of Christ, you'll do this for the believer that's struggling, that you encourage them and, and give them a fresh hunger for you. God, I pray for the one that doesn't know you, that today will be the day of salvation for them. God, be patient, be kind, forbear. Bring them to faith. Father, for the believer that is growing, I pray that they'll just continue to grow. Like Paul said, continue in the grace of God. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we thank you. We pray us in Christ's name, amen. I invite you to stand to your feet as we worship the Lord through song.